This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America, the smart choice for ID implementations. Put citizens in control with Get Mobile ID, fully ISO compliant 18013-5, and surpasses AMVA guidelines. Learn more at getgroupna.com. Welcome to AmbaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Amva community. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the AmbaCast, everyone. Uh, this week, we have a different type of guest than we normally have on these podcasts. You, those of you that listen week in and week out know we talk to a lot of folks within our community about business and business items. Um, we have something that many people would say is dangerous for me to do. I've invited a journalist to our to our podcast. Um, Katie Dayton from the Wall Street Journal is with us this week. Katie, welcome to your very first appearance on our AmbaCast. Thank you, Ian. I hope it's not the last. All right. Well, we're, we're talking to Katie this week. For those of you that haven't seen it already, I know many of you have, uh, last month, particularly on December 15th, the Wall Street Journal published a story that Katie had written called The DMV is No Longer a Bureaucratic Purgatory. Uh, it was uh, a, a well-written piece, I, I will say that for, for sure, Katie. And I think for our community, um, and sort of the point of the story was, it's not every day we get a lot of this type of positive, optimistic coverage that says, hey, folks, the DMV isn't what it used to be. Uh, and so I would love to talk to you about why you wrote this story, what you learned, all those things. So, so let's go back to the very, very beginning. And you and I, of course, you, you were very kind in um, uh, quoting me as one of your sources in your story. So you and I chatted about it while you were doing the writing. But take me back before then. What, where did this idea of I want to look into this start for you? So I think the very first time I had, I had the idea to look into it, I mean, I write about um, customer experience and customer service and it tends to be focused more in the private sector um but i'm also very interested in in how uh citizens um and, and anyone really um interacts with, with government as well and i was reading a piece completely about nothing to do with the dmv it was about um root canals uh in the atlantic and it, i think in the, the line that really stood out to me what, so the piece was about how root canals are actually not that bad anymore and they don't hurt and dentists know how to do them very well now. And um, the, the line that said was the comedians of the 2020s will have to find a different way to tell you how comparatively agonizing it is to go to the mm. DMV. And I think around that time, just from my my Google alerts that I have on and and um, just, you know, doing my research, I, I kept coming across a few states that were um, introducing virtual queuing systems, um, a few DMVs in these states. And um, and I kind of put the two together and, and I wondered how the pandemic, I mean, it has affected the mm. way that so, so many companies bring consumers in and out. I wondered if that had, had really had a big effect on DMVs. And as you can probably tell, I'm not American. And no. I, <laughs> Shocking. So I, I have, I have, with these kinds of things, I have a outsider's, you know, experience of them. Yeah. And, you know, growing up in, in Europe, I, I, I think we have a bit of a different uh, relationship to government and, um, and what it is to have, you know, a really bureaucratic, terrible system. And I was, I'm always just a bit, I was always curious as to whether it was as bad 
as everyone mm-hmm. said it was. Um, so I just started calling around. I just started calling up um, you guys and mm-hmm. um, various DMVs across the country. And of course, everyone wanted to talk to me, which <laughs> does not normally happen. Right, right. right. So I'm curious about how you started with comparing with your, your own personal experience. When you first came to the States, had you not had a reason or the opportunity to go through a U.S.-based DMV? No. And the reason being is I cannot drive. Okay. <laughs> so this was, this was, again, like such an interesting, um, strange topic for me to pick. And all my friends laugh at me and they all laugh at me because I don't know how to drive a car. Um, um, in fairness, you live, you live in Manhattan. I do. And I lived so, in London before then. There was really very little was, need. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and so I just had to go off of um, anecdotal, you know, evidence from my friends. Yeah. You know, when I when I was, you know, creating my first impressions and um, just asking around in you know November, December of last year. I asked them, you know, mm-hmm. is it really that bad? And I put it out on Twitter as well. Like if anyone wants to chat about their, their recent yeah. experiences, uh, just so I could, you know, semi-prove my hypothesis before I started reporting. And to to be fair, everyone said, actually, you know what? The last time I went, nah, it, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. I never I never came across a horror story. Right. Um and that kind of gave me the confidence to go ahead and, and start seeing how, how things had adapted and changed during the pandemic. Had you heard similar positive reaction on Twitter? I mean, it's one thing for friends to have conversations and they're like, oh, yeah, no, it, you're right. It wasn't that bad. I really mm-hmm. hadn't thought about it, but you're right. It wasn't that bad. Do you hear the same thing in social yeah. media world? Yeah, to, to be honest. I mean, you know, obviously some people had sort of misinterpreted my question and they were like oh my god don't go there if you can avoid it you know um but so yeah I've had people that I'd never spoken to before reach out right. and and say you know in in the west coast for instance and and say yeah you know what like California you know California one of the largest DMVs in the country yeah. you know actually uh, I got I, I got sorted pretty quickly um and I think that is the crux of all this is um whatever the experience is like, if it's long, that's the issue people mm-hmm. have, right? It's mm-hmm. they don't like to wait. Um, and it's particularly now, I mean, with flexible working for a lot of people, um, it's, it's how you manage your day becomes so much more important. You don't have that kind of structure. Well, a lot of people just don't have that structure in place anymore. So the idea of, of dipping out and maybe spending two hours um, waiting around for a driver's license or mm-hmm, for a test mm-hmm. or something. Right. It, I think that has kind of, it's got a little bit more um, important for people to, to bear in mind. So as you started to talk to the, the different states, what did, what did parts did you learn about that started to prove this hypothesis of yours? And then what were the, the surprises along the way that you maybe go, oh, I didn't, didn't realize they were going that quite, quite that far. Yeah, so I think the first, the, I mean, the, the general, um, for, from not even having to speak to them, just from doing my research mm-hmm. beforehand, the general um, trend was what I was seeing was was being able to make reservations, right? Um, and not have to just sort of go into the waiting room and, and wait around for your turn. Like you could actually pick a time and like a, like a doctor's surgery. 
I, my big question was like, well, why, why are we doing this in 2020? Like, sorry, 2021, like when, you know, other legacy um, government organizations or, you know, like your doctor said, you're a dentist, you can make an appointment of those things. Why has it taken mm. this long to get to this point with the DMV? And, um, and, and I think it was um, uh, the uh, spokesperson for Oregon um, said to me, well, we just, the computers couldn't do it. Yeah. The computers didn't work. And this was, this was the thing that really surprised me. Um, and perhaps, perhaps I was naive to it, but um, I genuinely couldn't believe how old some of the systems that were running the DMVs were yeah. and how that for, for in a majority of cases was the issue and that had a knock-on effect um, mm-hmm. on the customer experience. And you started to see that as a theme as you talked to the different different states. It wasn't out of a lack of desire, interest, or recognition. It was, we can only get to it so quickly once we have, you know, the funding, the resources to update these very old systems. Exactly, exactly. Um, and and how expensive they are. I mean, you know, understandably so. It's you're, you're handling data for you know almost the entire population of your state um and i i i had i really had no idea that um the, and the way that they had the systems were set up and and learning about you know um the code uh, find the code that they use the um the the people the engineers just didn't know how to code that way anymore because the people that had learned that script we're no longer the old COBOL the pr- programmers have all retired, and now, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, COBOL to dot .NET, now going to the cloud, and who knows what will be next. Exactly, exactly. Um, but I imagine now, um, this is just my uh, uninformed opinion, but if we, it does go to the cloud, it's when, you're likely to never get so outdated again. Um, just because of the way computers work nowadays, um, yeah. you don't have to keep physically building and building on top of different systems. Yeah, I think that's certainly one of the promises of going there. So you mentioned how you you most of your reporting is in the private sector, but also around customer experience, customer service. Did you find any parallels? Did you find any relationships between you know you kept mentioning the healthcare where you've been able to do an online doctor's appointment forever? Mm-hmm. The are first coming to this. Uh, anything where you go, oh, this reminds me of what this industry was doing a few years ago, or I wonder why this other industry hasn't learned from the DMVs. Any any connections that you were able to make through your reporting that maybe our listeners wouldn't have thought about? Yeah, I think the the biggest parallel that I can draw, and I think it was one um, made by the commissioner in California, was um, of banking. So mm-hmm. when you think about if you if you if you bank with with a pretty large um, modern bank now, you tend to not go in to the bank to get your day to day transactions done. So you know if you wanted to um, just make a transfer um, or update your address details, for instance, you can normally do that through a website or an app. Um, that is what the, they hope the DMV will become. Um, sorry, I'm going to correct myself there. That was New York, not California. Um, and and in, in a way that the DMV, like a, what a bank is now, when you walk in, it's it's a little bit like a lounge. It's a little bit kind of clubhousey. You have someone greeting you. You might have to wait a little bit, but you you know you can kind of like sit on some comfy mm-hmm. chairs and, and it becomes 
more of a um, more of a sort of consultative um, conversation that you have there rather than one where you know it's very transactional and the staff there have to kind of like keep moving you forward really really quickly Um, and that you know that's aided by this sort of creation of these kiosks that we're seeing across the country as well what that can um, you know process some DMV transactions you know they remind me of just ATMs right like you know and, and ATMs where you can do more than just um get cash out um and the other parallel i drew was with uh virtual queuing systems which before the pandemic i think they were you know pretty refined um sort of they were only used by very few industries and in 2020 i I wrote a story about how retailers had started using these systems um you know places like hairdressers and daycare centers as well as um you know, uh, cell phone uh, wireless operators. Um, in a way, so people weren't just like crowding a shop. Just walking in. Right? The I, who really would have bad. thought the idea of just walking in somewhere and waiting would have been completely flipped on its head? No, it's you wait outside, wait in your car, we'll tell you when to come in. Yeah. Don't even leave just, your house until we tell you it's text. time. <laughs> exactly exactly so it's kind of seeing and that is pretty it's not new technology but I feel like it's only started to proliferate in the last uh, couple of years or since the pandemic began um and and that's the kind of technology that DMVs are also looking at too yeah when you came up with this idea what type of reaction did you get at the Wall Street Journal what did the editors say like that's you know was it in other ones that's that's crazy of course the DMV is a nightmare or was it more like your friends go oh yeah you're right I hadn't hadn't thought about it I actually (laughs) did have a good experience when I went there it's funny because at the journal my beat is so I mean it can be read by literally anyone I write about the day-to-day frustrations um that most people go through so you know most of the time when I tell people what I'm writing about people go oh that's really interesting I had that experience Uh, my editor my editor was very cautious of not making this um too much of a puff piece for the DMV of course Mm. and um and uh was sort of the whole time kind of just being a little bit more on the cynical side, shall we say. Um, but I think it came out pretty balanced. I mean, obviously, I think it does address some of the issues that are still there. And, um, you know, speaking to the commissioners, I mean, no one said mm-hmm. we're perfect. No one said sure. we we know. Um, no one denied the fact that uh, they had a bad reputation either. Um, yeah. The South Park uh, sketch came up quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> South Park, Zootopia, you know, it keeps uh, popping up. Let me ask you about that, though. You know, whether it's the the editor's skepticism or this general reputation and stereotype, and yet when you peeled it back, you found that not to be true. From an outsider's journalist perspective, why does that stereotype persist? Why, Why has, when you talk to an individual and their actual individual experience is different, What's your take as an outsider's view as to why that continued perception uh, pervades over the reality that most customers have? Right. I think, I mean, there's a few things. I mean, obviously, speaking to, you know, 10 years ago, obviously, it could have been better mm-hmm. um, from what I from what I understand. Obviously, I personally can't comment. Um, secondly, it's a really, it's just a really old organization, right? That's, and the older an organization is, the longer a stereotype has to persist. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I might compare it to something like, 
actually, I probably shouldn't compare it to anything in case that gets me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you the question a different way then. Why, yeah. why do you think more folks in your industry, in the, the media at large, you know, no one else has picked up on this story, let alone quite literally, sometimes someone writes something in the journal and then folks pick it up and it's written in or we get follow-up calls. We've not gotten any on this to our surprise. Mm. Um, what, what, what do you think that's about? Other than timing that you put it out like, you know, a week before the holidays. <laughs> I think I think a lot of it. Well, that's that's true. That's true. Um, I think part of it is that if a, if a large corporation in the private sector, for instance, makes a big change like this. Yeah. They have a they have a PR agency. They have the comms people mm. um, working uh, long hours to try and like make it a story. Um government doesn't work like that you just kind of get the job done and and you know hope that that pays off and I mean all of this as well it's you know it's great to have better customer service but you know a big thread that came out of all my conversations for is it's more efficient for people that run DMVs for people to be in and out faster and for people to be able to transact stuff you know from their homes you don't want you don't want to have to process really long lines um and, you know, in California, they were talking about, well, we had to finally go paperless. Um, and that saved them a, a ton of money as well. So um, I think that I think part of it is just based the storytelling element. And, and if it does, if, if anyone, you know, does publicize something that's being done, it's more as a sort of um, uh, like local angle and getting the news out. So people that live in that state know what to do rather than um you know let's try and place a story in the wall street journal about this big investment we've made um i think that i think that might be it and and also um i i think in terms of the stereotype persisting it's just it's it's just a i feel like you're kind of i mean i i didn't i don't even know what dmv stood for but i knew what the joke was before i lived here <laughs> it is just unfortunately one that's yeah. proliferated uh culture and be- because of you know the zootopia and, and the other yeah. examples you mentioned so is it it's, not it's the not- same in in United Kingdom, in Europe, we work fairly closely with some of our counterparts over there, mm-hmm. but that's not really a discussion I've had with them in terms of public perception and the interaction. We talk more about the behind the curtain stuff, if you will. What mm-hmm. is the environment like there when you say you already knew the joke coming here? It's not the case there? Okay, so my experience as a would-be driver, when I was 17, I applied and and this is you know a while back, I applied for a a provisional driver's license which is basically like your learner's permit I did that all online I um when I had to when I, I started to try and learn to drive when I was 17 and um I had to take the we have to take in the UK uh, a theory test a, pra- a mm-hmm. you know, paper paper theory test before you're then allowed to go and take the practical um you can start to drive you can start learning to drive before you do your theory um and I went in and I booked I booked my theory test online and I walked into it my local center and it was all you know I sat at a computer and I did it and I left and I had a certificate I actually passed that one um and that was what like in um 2009 
so my experience has been it, it might have been a little bit older school then uh before then but um I didn't even I didn't even think of it as any inconvenience because it could be done online um and I yeah I think the the difference in my experience between the US and the UK is just we've never I've never had to go somewhere physically right. to try and learn to drive or start to drive or um you know get any kind of admin done it has been online um for a while and I think maybe part of that is because we have like one unified system for the country we don't have it you know county by sure. county if we sure. had to uh, make the state comparison yeah well, yeah, it's all, I mean, and, it gets, and size is proportional. You could pick up the entire country and drop it inside the state of Texas and still leave lots of room for more countries. I, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot yeah. more people here. Ex- exactly, exactly. So I know, I'm, I'm curious because it's kind of related. You mentioned, you know, you never got your driver's license. You haven't been to a DMV since you're here. So you, anytime you need to use identification, you just use your passport wherever you go, I would presume? I- I no, I actually use my UK driver's license, my provisional driver's license. The provisional um, driver's license. Yes. That you've had since uh, over yeah. over a decade now. Yeah, I mean, I, I I had to update the photo on it once. I think um, I will. This is not very good for podcasting, of course, but I will show you now. It's a it's a green it's a green little card. Um, if you if you can drive, it's yeah. pink. Yeah. It has a big L on it for learner. And um, I everywhere kind of accepts it, I'm, which I was shocked about. Um, and uh, people just get a bit confused about my date of birth because, of course, it they think I'm born. Um, I'm born. I was born in August, but they think I was born in the month twenty five. Oh, um, because of the, way, the, the European <laughs> way of using the date yeah. that Americans are just got to yeah. understand. Yeah, but That's I do. This, I mean, reporting this. I didn't really actually realize that I could get an ID card from the DMV, even though I didn't drive. Ah. So I plan to get one of those this year for sure. And um, the, I, I live in New York and yeah. um, the wonderful commissioner in New York invited me to come to Albany to see this new center that they're um, creating up there, this innovation center, yeah. um, which sounds very interesting, I think. Um, and that's going to be kind of their dmv of the future that they're trialing up there do you think you're going to do that is that a story we might look forward to uh, sometime in the future yes yes i don't know how many dmv stories i can get through um in the space of a few months but (laughs) um, hey one a year will be more than will be one more a year than we've had in the past so that's fantastic (laughs) yeah no so that's that's that was the thing you know looking into the future that that kind of um the trial that they're doing up there and they're working with google you know and and a lot of their technology and um and i think in colorado um these kind of like dmv in a van dmv in a box that they're working on um to get to get to people that um perhaps aren't very mobile or they live in very very rural areas and in which case a a trip to the dmv is like a day-long kind of exercise um so those are the kinds of formats that i think is pretty are pretty exciting and it's it's great to see um an agency trialing yeah so you know we talked earlier about the comparison with healthcare and with the banking industry in terms of where it's going how what are the industries you're seeing that are further along on the cutting edge? If DMVs were to look at the future of customer service, talk about the DMV of the future, what are the industries that you have seen are really the ones leading the way with 
innovation in terms of how they're interacting with their customers. There's obviously always the, the, the easy ones people point to, you know, where Amazon goes, everyone's following and all that kind of stuff. Is it that simple or are you seeing some more nuance in some sectors that might be helpful to our listeners? I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, re- retail's had a, a crazy few years. I mean, like, we've all had a crazy few years, but retail yeah. is really was having to juggle so much with, you know, where's open, where's not open, you know, e-commerce satisfaction, a lot of the time out of their hands, um, down, and that's down to, you know, the shippers' hands and having to, you know, uphold their logistics. So Amazon obviously is, is held up there, but I think mm-hmm. a lot of other retailers are, are kind of having to struggle to piece together um, their customer service. So, you know, if you bought buy something online, is it, are you going to have the same experience returning that as you would in store? Um, that's that's definitely something we're, we're keeping an eye on at the moment. Um, I would say uh, automotive is really interesting to mm. look at at the moment. Um Obviously, for for a big chunk of, of twenty twenty, you couldn't just walk into a, a auto dealer and um, buy a car or test drive a car, and that was you know it was fascinating to see how they were, you know, kind of using pretty rudimentary technology like FaceTime to show mm-hmm. to show customers uh, the inside of a car and like take them on a virtual test drive. Um, and now that you know things are picking up, we're we're seeing these dealers, especially um, company-owned dealerships, mm-hmm. again turning less like a regular um, car sales lot to mm-hmm. these lounge-style um, hotel-esque um, retail experience centers. Um, I'm uh, very cynical about that term. I, I think it's, I mean, it's, you're still going there to buy and sell something, but, um, they're, 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 they're nice to go in and you get like a free coffee and maybe Mm -hmm. some snacks and it's less about looking at the cars and it's more sort of consulting Mm. with the staff they employ there. And, um, and, and, and that's just sort of led by the strategy that people are going to do most of their research online yeah. now before they come yeah. in and they don't need to look at every yeah. single car to make a decision. It's also what, what I've referred to as the Starbucksonization of everything, right? It was Starbucks who... I they were the first ones to recognize this is not about buying a cup of coffee. It's about an experience. Right? You mm-hmm. don't go to Starbucks to just buy a cup of coffee. You go to Starbucks for an experience. Um, and, you know, so it's that have comfortable seating, have something else to offer. Right. And, you know, so you're no longer going to the dealership just to buy a car. You know, mm-hmm. you want an experience. The dealership wants to offer an experience so that you not only buy a car, but you come back to buy your next car. Right, right. And I think, um, you know, the, the real leader in all of that, that is Tesla. Mm. And their their customer approach is fascinating. I mean, like, just texting customers, yeah. and you have salespeople like driving the car to their front door for them. It's um, obviously, they've had um, some teething problems um, with all of that. But um, they, they are certainly a really interesting company to watch at the moment. And some of the used car in the used car sector, you know, we talk about just buying it online, sight unseen, mm-hmm. go to the gumball machine and pick up your car, right? <laughs> you know, there's the, that model. 
yeah that's um is it i can't remember the name of the company is it carl it's carvana yeah carvana that's on yeah no that's it's, I mean, I can't, I think that was before the pandemic. They developed that. But that's, that's right. Fascinating to me. Yeah. So these different um, models that are, yeah. that are popping up. And one one thing, I was speaking to um, the chief experience officer of um, GM, and he was saying, I mean, that a lot of the issues they're having now are to do with the supply chain, and they haven't mm-hmm. got the cars um, in stock, literally like down the road from you a lot of the time, and what they're now doing to kind of placate customers sometimes I mean a lot of that is out of their hands is just sort of open up the um the production process to the customer that's buying the car Mm. so they can now see hey this is is a little bit like getting a a Hermes package they say hey like this is where it is right now and hey like now it's it's moving forward it's moving down the chain and we're going to adjust the uh, expected time for you and just kind of give customers a little bit more of an insight into like where exactly this um, very expensive item they bought yeah. is. Um, because otherwise they would just be like, hey, well, I've given you my money. Like, where's yeah. my car? Um, yeah. so that, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Too. It reminds me of a much lower scale. Um, uh, my kids, you know, they when they want pizza delivery, they go for Domino's and Domino's got a little Domino's tracker. I know talking to somebody who's in Manhattan, this is, you know, sacrilegious to mention you know pizza like this you know that isn't just local pizza but they've got this little tracker it tells you he's preparing it it's gone into the oven it's come out of the oven it's gone into the car tells you when you know they two minutes away from your house well Um, ian i will tell i mean look i have not confirmed this but i have heard that that tracker is not exactly accurate in terms of it's going being in the the oven oven. it's out of the oven (laughs) yeah i think it just uh i i Look, this is what I've heard. I've also heard that when you look on Uber and you look at me before you um, called your car, the cars that are driving around yeah. aren't real, I, apparently. But now I, you're blowing my I mind. Will, I will couch this with the fact that I, I have I have only heard this anecdotally, and I don't know that for a fact. But um, but if it you know what, even if it's not true, I mean, it works, right? Like it certainly it, makes as a consumer, it makes you feel the level of mm-hmm. confidence it gives you. So if it's not yeah. real, it's even more brilliant on their part that they've recognized, even though we can't do this, we know the consumer wants it. Yeah. Especially when you're when you're hungry and you're waiting for your pieces to <laughs> arrive. It's coming, it's know. coming, it's coming, it's God, coming. You, it's in the oven. Like <laughs> it'll be another it'll be another ten minutes and then it'll be on its way. Yeah. That's fascinating. Um, well, Katie, I really appreciate you spending some time with us today providing some insight on the story and some other context. Um, Hopefully this is the start of maybe some more conversations and we'll certainly be watching your stories and your, your journalism career, which sounds like it's maybe on a real exciting trajectory and we'll be able to say we knew you when. Thanks so much for having me, Ian. It's great. Great to chat through a story like this and yeah, please everyone keep in touch. Awesome. Thank you all for listening this week. We'll see you again next week. And until then, thanks to our producers, Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Stay well, everyone. Thank you for joining us for AmbaCast, hosted by Ian Grossman, produced by Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin, music by Gibson Arthur. This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.